Welcome to the Christian History Podcast, Chapter 2, Episode 70. Last week, I covered the role of viziers, Joseph's new name as given to him by the Pharaoh, and I circled back to the history of Genesis Chapter 38. This week, I'm picking up in Genesis Chapter 42, when Joseph's brothers make their first trip to Egypt, and, as a forewarning, There are a few people, places, and concepts introduced in the next several chapters, so a few topics to cover. Instead, the focus of this episode is to provide summaries of the next few chapters of Genesis. So let's get started. In chapter 42, there is what is believed to be a drought in Canaan, where Jacob and his remaining sons and their families live. This drought leads to a famine, as it had in Egypt. And, unlike Joseph, Jacob and the remaining sons did not see this coming and therefore had not stored away enough grain to survive the downturn, the seven-year downturn. The dismal situation leads Jacob to send all of his sons to Egypt to search for food. Well, not quite all of his sons. Of course, Jacob had long thought that Joseph was dead and not wishing to lose his only other son his wife Rachel had borne, he makes Benjamin stay behind. To many readers, this serves as further proof that Rachel was his favorite wife, and Joseph and Benjamin his favorite sons. Having lost, at least in his mind, his son Joseph, he was not going to risk Benjamin. And the sons caravanning to Egypt were all Joseph's half-brothers. The traveling brothers arrived in Egypt and bowed down before Joseph. Joseph recognizes his brothers, but they did not recognize him. To them, he was an Egyptian, and to maintain this charade, Joseph acted as though he did not understand them, only speaking to them through an interpreter. This will work to his advantage in a bit. Also, to them, he was the person who had ready access to the foodstuffs they so desperately needed. And this was a fulfillment of Joseph's dream in Genesis chapter 37, where his brother's sheaves of grain bowed to his. So, now Joseph knew he was not only a dream interpreter, but also that his dreams may come true, too. The text also indicates that it was not only his brothers that came looking for provisions, but others from across the region. Joseph notices that his only full brother, Benjamin, is not part of the group, but he does learn that his brother is still alive. So, he devises a way to be reunited with him. He accuses his half-brothers of being spies and imprisons them for three days. Three days. They then speak amongst themselves in their native tongue, thinking that Joseph cannot understand them, but of course he can. He hears them talk of how they are finally being punished for what they did to him so many years before. Little did they know that he was right there. He also hears Reuben talk of how he did not want to go along with the plan so many years ago. That Joseph probably didn't expect. Without his brothers noticing, he wept, but then regained his composure. Joseph then tells his brothers they must depart and retrieve Benjamin, but they must leave one brother behind as a sort of bond. 
Joseph picks out Simeon to remain behind as collateral to ensure they return with Benjamin. Joseph has Simeon bound in chains. He then gives the remaining brothers the grain they sought and enough other provisions for the return journey. Secretly, meaning without the brothers noticing, he returned their money too. After the brothers had left, and while they were still on their journey to Canaan, one unidentified brother notices that the money they thought they had paid for the grain has been returned, and they are all aghast, thinking this was another part of God's punishment of them. They make it back to Jacob and give a debrief of the journey, relaying how they had been accused of spying and how Simeon was left behind to ensure that Benjamin was brought to them. The brothers also mention that if and when Benjamin is presented to Joseph, well, in their story, he wasn't Joseph. He was the Lord of the land. Anyway, if and when Benjamin is brought to Egypt, Simeon would be released, and they would also be allowed to trade in Egyptian territory. As they unpack, they each discover their individual bags of money, and Jacob caught sight of this too and their hearts sunk a little more. The brothers were apparently insistent on returning to Egypt with Benjamin in tow, but Jacob wasn't going to risk losing another son. In his mind, Joseph was dead, and Simeon was as good as dead. He wasn't going to cast Benjamin into that sea, only to meet the same fate. And then Reuben stepped up again. He told his father, that if he would allow him to take Benjamin to Egypt, and he were not to return with the young son safe and sound, then Jacob could kill Reuben's two sons, essentially using his own sons as collateral. There seems to be a lot of this going around. And to make such an offer, at least in my mind, the guilt of Joseph must have been heavy on Reuben's heart. In the end, Jacob does not allow Benjamin to journey to Egypt. The chapter ends with Jacob once again mentioning Sheol. So, there are three places covered in this chapter, Canaan, Egypt, and Sheol. I covered Canaan in chapter 2, episodes 23 through 30. Egypt is coming up real quick, and Sheol was covered two episodes ago. Other than that, there is nothing to be discussed in the chapter. Moving along. Which brings me to Genesis chapter 43. Apparently, some time passes between chapters 42 and 43, as Jacob's family has consumed all of the grain brought back from Egypt. And the supposed drought and definite famine persist in Canaan. And don't forget, this whole time, Simeon, seemingly forgotten about, is in an Egyptian jail. Jacob once again instructs his sons to go to Egypt to buy more food. Then his son Judah steps in. Judah reminds Jacob that the ruler of Egypt had warned them that there would be no more food if Benjamin does not accompany them on the trip. Jacob admonishes them for revealing that they had another brother, but they disclose that the leader of Egypt questioned them carefully, including questions about Jacob himself. Judah then promises his own life in protection of Benjamin. Obviously desperate times. Or maybe, and this is just speculation as it's not mentioned in the text, 
that Judah may have made the promise because of his continued guilt over Joseph, especially since he was the one who formulated the plot to sell Joseph. In the end, Jacob agrees. And, apparently the negotiations between the brothers and their father took some time, as Judah pointed out that they could have made the trip twice in the time it took to get Jacob to agree to allow Benjamin to make the trip. We never hear Benjamin's thoughts on the whole affair. At the end of the chapter, Jacob instructs his sons to carry presents for the leader, presumably to gain his goodwill. And what he tells them to carry is interesting. The New Revised Standard Version lists the goods as the choice fruits of the land, a little balm, a little honey, gum, resin, pistachio nuts, and almonds. The New International Version replaces gum and resin with spices and myrrh. And the King James uses spices and myrrh, but does not specify pistachios, and instead uses the generic word nuts. Either way, it's probably a safe assumption that the goods were somewhat available in Canaan, at least to the house of Jacob, and probably would be valued by someone in Egypt, and maybe would have the completely unintended consequence of making the still unrevealed Joseph homesick. Remember that. Finally, Jacob instructs his sons to take double the money so that they could pay for the grain received on the first trip, as well as that that they were to purchase on this expedition. The sons did as their father instructed, and all of them, including Benjamin, made their way to Egypt, yet again to stand in front of Joseph. When they arrived in Egypt, Joseph invited them to his house, where he had a servant slaughter an unspecified animal for a lunchtime meal. As you would expect, the brothers wondered why Joseph would go to the trouble of inviting them to his house. After all, this same man, the last time they were in the neighborhood, had them thrown in prison where one of the brothers still sat. They speculated that the invitation was related to what they thought was their failure to pay for the grain on their last visit. They believed that they would be arrested and made Joseph's slaves foreshadowing? Hmm. So, they beat Joseph to the punch. As soon as they arrived at Joseph's house, they spoke with his steward and fessed up about the found bags of money. The steward then tells the boys that they did pay for the goods on the first trip, and their God must have put the sacks back. Overall, he assured them they had nothing to worry about. Shortly after this exchange, the steward had Simeon brought out to them. Joseph arrived at noon, and his brothers bowed again and presented him with the gifts. Joseph then inquired about their slash his father, learning that he was still alive and well. He then sees his brother Benjamin and manages to keep his cool, at least for a bit. Well, only a bit. He hurries from the room, going to a separate private room, where he wept for a moment. He then gathered himself, washed his face, and returned to the dining hall where they ate. Well, not where all of them ate. The Egyptians refused to dine with the Canaanites, so they ate in a different room, 
and Joseph dined in the same room as his brothers, but at a different table. And one little tidbit, Joseph made sure that Benjamin got more food than his half-brothers, five times more. Apparently, it was a bit of a party, as the text reads that they drank and were merry. And that brings me to the end of chapter 43. And just like the last chapter, there aren't any new people, places, or concepts. Moving along, and quite naturally, next is Genesis chapter 44. Sometime later, after the lunch where Joseph and his still uninformed brothers ate, drank, and were merry, and the text is unclear how long after, it could have been the next day or week, or who knows. The text seems to indicate it was immediately after the lunch. Joseph, once again without the knowledge of his brothers, has his servant fill their bags with food and returns their money, again. He then asks his servant to place his personal silver cup in Benjamin's bag. The men depart the next morning on their donkeys. Joseph did not let them go far before implementing the next part of his plan. He sent his house steward after his brothers. The steward then accused them of stealing his silver cup. The brothers speak up, and quoting from the New Revised Standard Version, Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants that they should do such a thing. Look, the money that we found at the top of our sacks we brought back to you from the land of Canaan. Why then would we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Should it be found with any of your servants, and that meant them, let him die. Moreover, the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves." The steward agrees that the thief should become Joseph's slave, but the other brothers would go free. A bag search ensues, and the cup is found, of course, in Benjamin's bag. Cue dramatic music. And every brother tore his own clothes, and they all returned to the Egyptian city, and were brought to Joseph's house. The only thing missing from the narrative was the gnashing of teeth. Then Judah speaks up, quoting again, What can we say to my Lord? What can we speak? How can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Here we are then, my Lord's slaves, both we and also the one in whose possession the cup has been found. Joseph didn't want his stepbrothers to remain, only Benjamin, so he replied, Far be it for me that I should do so. Only the one in whose possession the cup was found shall be my slave. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. Judah, thinking back to the promise he had made to his father, pleaded with Joseph, quoting, O my Lord, let your servant please speak a word in my Lord's ear, and do not be angry with your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a young brother, the child of his old age. His brother is dead. He alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, so that I may set my eyes on him. We said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father. 
For if he should leave his father, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall see my face no more. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And when our father said, Go again, buy us a little food, we said, We cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother goes with us will we go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant my father said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One left me, and I said, Surely he has been torn to pieces, and I have never seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm comes to him, you will bring down my gray hairs in sorrow to Sheol. Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then, as his life is bound up in the boy's life, when he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die, and your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant our father with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant became surety for the boy, to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back, then I will bear the blame in the sight of my father all of my life. Now therefore, please let your servant remain as a slave to my lord in place of the boy, and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the suffering that would come upon my father." End quote. Which brings me to the end of chapter 44. And once again, no new people, places, or concepts. Moving along. Chapter 45 begins immediately following Judah's speech. Apparently, Judah's speech got to Joseph as he clears the room of everyone except his brothers. And the text reads that Joseph was overcome with emotion. He reveals himself to his brothers, who apparently stood there in shock quite understandably. Ode had been a fly on that wall. And Joseph asked if his father were still alive. His brothers did not answer, standing there in silence, in disbelief. Joseph asked them to come closer. He then attempts to explain himself, quoting again, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all of his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry, and go up to my father, and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down with me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me. You and your children, and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. 
And now your eyes, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt, and all that you have seen. Hurry, and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all of his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. End quote. Pharaoh hears of this and instead of being angry, extends a welcoming hand, saying to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this. Load your animals and go back to the land of Canaan. Take your father and your households and come to me, so that I may give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you may enjoy the fat of the land. You are further charged to say, Do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt, for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father, and come. Give no thought to your possessions, for the best of all of the land of Egypt is yours. End quote. Pharaoh was probably concerned that his extremely capable vizier, the man who was in the process of making him immensely rich, would leave. And Joseph sends his brothers back to Canaan to retrieve his father, and sends with them far more than enough provisions for the journey, including ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain, and also bread. He gives his brothers money and clothes, and of course gives Benjamin more. His parting words, in my mind rather sarcastic, were to not quarrel along the way. The brothers make it back to Canaan and inform the stunned Jacob of their thought-dead brother's fortunes. Jacob, of course, demands to be taken to his son immediately. Well, as immediate as it could be on the back of a donkey or in a wagon. He wanted to lay eyes on his once thought dead, now known to be a live son, before he dies himself. And that's the end of chapter 45. This chapter did introduce a place known as the land of Goshen, but unfortunately, I don't have enough time remaining to cover it this week. I'll start off the next episode with that place. You don't want to miss it. Comments and questions can be sent to comments at christianhistorypodcast.com. As always, you can find information about the podcast on the internet at christianhistorypodcast.com. This week, I hope you will go to iTunes or wherever you receive the podcast from and leave a positive review. A couple of weeks ago, I received a great review from Gene455. Thanks, Gene. You are helping others to find the podcast. You can also find the Facebook page by searching the phrase Christian History Podcast as three separate words. Once there, be sure to like the page. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to subscribe so you get the episodes as soon as they are released. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.